Welcome. Thanks for tuning in. So glad you found the Linden Road online experience. And if this is your first time, we would invite you to click on the digital connection card or leave a comment in the chat here. And if you're watching this on YouTube, you can actually scroll down to the description. And you'll find a link to the online uh, digital connection card and would invite you to leave your email, your uh, name, and if there's a prayer request you might have or a question we might be able to answer. And we certainly hope it's not your last time. So we're so glad that you're here. And if this is your spiritual home, we say welcome to you, and we're grateful, too, that you have tuned in. And again, we'd offer you uh, that same opportunity through the digital connection card or through uh, the comments here in the chat just to let us know a prayer request you might have or if there's something you'd like us to know here in the office. But we are grateful that we are here together. I want to share first, as we've talked about, uh, the uh, Jesus Revolution movie. If you aren't aware, it's actually dropped on Netflix. If you didn't get a chance to see it in the theater and you happen to have a Netflix account, would encourage you to check it out. It's, it started on the 1st of August, and as of Friday, it was number four, which is kind of amazing. But as we think about this series that we're in, about uh, being unhindered, taking the gospel to all ends of the earth, we uh, certainly think that's just another way that you can maybe invite some friends over to watch it. and so. Uh, would encourage you to think about that. And we also want to remind you that this is day six of our uh, 10 days of prayer. As we pray in this uh, He Gets Us campaign here, it would invite you to, if you haven't already, it's still not too late to jump in. You can you can simply text the word HGU prayer, all one word in lowercase, to 833-473-2173, and you'll get a response. And Yes, you'll start on day one, but that's okay. It's uh, Prayer is the life breath of all ministry, and we just want to be very intentional in this season to engage the Holy Spirit through prayer to help us understand what it is that uh, we need to be doing. So this is week 10 of our series, Unhindered, and trying to get real practical in helping us uh, just with some tools about how do we share our faith as we think about unhindered and we go back to this verse it's been our key verse of these many weeks out of Acts uh, chapter uh, 28 verses 30 and 31 whereas the book wraps up uh, the writer Dr. Luke says to us for two whole years Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him he proclaimed the kingdom of God and he taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance and where we've been as we continue to look at how the church grew in the book of Acts and what God did, we need to be reminded, as we've seen, that it is about us living out this story faithfully in this season. And my attempt now is to offer some practical ways of how do we have uh, gospel-centered conversations with our neighbors, with people that we come in contact with. And I know for some of us, the idea of a cold call is not something that, you know, where we just start a random conversation with people on the street about Jesus. And I know that there are some that are gifted in doing that. And at the same time, I think part of what we looked at last week is the, sort of the first part of this, this section on Unhindered is that we often look for a reason not to share our faith. And and if we find that reason, then we'll probably land on it and not do that. And if you remember last week, we talked about uh, the three things that sort of stand in the way of us talking about our faith and sharing our faith is fear and uh, the idea of all truth is valid and evangelism seems judgmental. 
And if you didn't get a chance to check that out, I invite you to go back and take a look at last week's message to embrace that, to see that, yes, there is fear in sharing our faith. But if we don't risk that, then we won't learn anything about ourselves and we'll miss the opportunity to help other people find their story. And so we want to move into this week about being practical and really want to talk about how do we do this. But before we get there, I want us to think for a moment of what it would have been like to be on that hillside, began the book of Acts many weeks ago, as we've read it, many of us, many times, on that hillside as Jesus was wrapping up his earthly ministry. It's after the resurrection. And I have some video here from that region. It's Mount Ardell. And just wonder if we can, in our mind's eye, picture ourselves there amongst probably a couple hundred people. It wasn't a huge group, uh, but yet if we had been there on that hillside, how would we have reacted? How would you have reacted in that moment? So let's take a moment here and let me just help you dream a little bit about what that experience might have been. Can you just imagine that now isn't now and that here where we are online or in the building is that that isn't where we are, that we're actually a couple thousand years ago standing on the, or even sitting on this hillside it's about, eight, the time period is about 30 AD. And instead of being here in Mansfield, Ohio, we are sitting on the hillside at Mount Arbel, which is right near the Sea of Galilee. And it's there in Israel. And just picture here as you see the beauty of that region. Imagine your younger self, maybe a teenager or maybe a young adult someone about 20 years of age and think think of that you've been part of this group of people for the last three years and that it all has led up to where you are right now on this hillside here next to the Sea of Galilee and as you've walked in this season you've dedicated your life to following this rabbi this teacher who's gone from place to place and you've seen many things you've seen some pretty amazing miracles and actually, not too long ago, you actually even saw Jesus raise a person from the dead. And then think about this, not, uh, but about six weeks ago, you saw and experienced something else. You were there on that night when he was arrested. And then in the hours that followed his arrest, you saw him tried and convicted for crimes that he simply didn't commit. And although it was from a distance, you then saw him executed for those crimes. But what's interesting is that it isn't even the most interesting thing that's happened in the last two months because then only a few days after his death, you then saw this Jesus up and walking around, the resurrected Jesus. And what's even more amazing for you possibly is that you had a chance to speak to him. But as we are on this hillside, not everyone has had that experience. In fact, the truth is, plenty of people have shown up today and they're only here because they're just pretty sure that you're not telling the truth. And so they're checking it out. And so think about it even more is that here he is, here's Jesus himself and he's literally standing just uh, several yards away from you. It is him, it is the Lord, the resurrected Jesus. And you can see the people are they're whispering to each other and they're trying to figure out what in the world is going on. 
is this really him? Is this really the resurrected Jesus? Or is it an imposter? It looks like him, but how can they be sure? And then everyone becomes very quiet very quickly. And it looks like he's about to say something. And he does say this verse from Matthew chapter 28. He says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, and therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, what do you suppose Jesus meant when he said, go and make disciples? I mean, think about it, as you've been with him over these last three years, that's pretty much been his job. He's the one that has gone to people and said, come and follow me. So why is it that he can't just keep doing what he's been doing? And then thinking about the scripture, what, what does he mean when he says, even to the end of the age? It kind of sounds like he's getting ready to say goodbye. But this time it sounds more certain, more final. And then it happens. And no one's going to believe any of us because you saw it, yet you were just standing right there. And then here in verse 9 of Acts 1, it describes it this way. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. And yeah, that's pretty much how it happened. And what's even wilder is that as you're looking up into the sky, you're trying to see where he went, all of a sudden two people show up in white robes, and they're standing right there next to you. And then, continuing in verse 11 of chapter 1 in Acts, it says, the Men of Galilee, they said, Why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Okay, wait a minute. Where, where did these two people come from? Surely they weren't standing there the whole time, were they? Were you just unaware? Because... I'm pretty sure we would have noticed, right? And then later, some people are going to say that they were angels. And honestly, looking back on it now, you might not want to admit it, but you're pretty sure that's exactly who they were. And then when we think about it, as you're there in that time, 2,000 years ago, these next few days are going to be a blur. You're going to meet people, and people are going to be asking you a lot of questions. And honestly, no matter what answer you give, they probably aren't going to believe you. It's actually beyond belief in some regards. And actually, there are moments when you even start doubting yourself. But you know what you saw because you were there. And to be honest, a lot of the questions around this experience is going to be from people is this idea of what happened. And then the question, did Jesus really ascend into the heavens? Did he really disappear? And, and then even the idea of, was it even him? But as you've experienced this, uh, the thing that keeps sticking out in your mind isn't necessarily what he did. It goes back to these words that he said. Again, it's the Great Commission. It's here in Matthew 28. Let's read it again. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always to the end of the age. And to be honest, these words are going to stick with you the rest of your life. 
And in fact, you'll spend the next 50 or 60 years of your life not just trying to remember those words. The truth is you're going to spend the rest of your life trying to actually do what Jesus said to do. Okay, so let's come back to the real world. Let's come back to where we are right now. Where here's here and, and now is now. Now, what's amazing here in that even 2,000 years later, the events of that day, that day of the ascension of Jesus on that hillside, there near the Sea of Galilee, that those things are still shaping our lives in ways that most of us really can't even imagine. And here's what I mean. Let me try to unpack it. So on that day, anywhere from a few dozen to maybe 200 people heard Jesus' final words to his disciples. And what's absolutely mind-blowing to me is that at least one of those people on the hillside did exactly what Jesus told them to do. Someone told someone, who then told someone else, who then told someone else, who told someone else, who told my grandmother, who told my mother, and then who ultimately told me. I think it's amazing to think about that. And the truth is that the only reason that any of us today know who Jesus is in the first place is because there's a long line of people over these many thousands of years who had decided they would be faithful and they would follow Jesus' command to make disciples. And what's even crazier to think about is that if anyone in that line decided that they just didn't want to share their faith, there's a strong possibility that you or I might not be a believer today because of that. Now, we think about how the past has shaped each of us, and it's our story of our lives, right? Especially when we start drilling in down into the story of our faith journey, it's amazing and it's super cool because there's this unbroken chain of people connected in a very real way back to Jesus and those disciples on that hillside. And so just imagine what incredible stories probably happened along the way. But here's where it gets real, gets really real. Are you ready for it? Because as cool as it might be to look back, what if we, in this moment, looked forward? And I think that's the thing that we're trying to wrap our minds around as we think about this promise there in this last word of the book of Acts about how the gospel and how the kingdom is going to grow, that it's going to be unhindered. The truth is, is that the very fact that you and I know who Jesus is means that literally hundreds of people each decided to be faithful and to follow the command that Jesus gave us. Now, the question becomes in a sort of meddling way, right, going from preaching and teaching to pushing down a little bit to say, let me ask, what about you? What if you also decide to do what those hundreds or even thousands of brave men and women did over the past 20 centuries? In fact, back to that last verse of the book of Acts, we're reminded that they did it with boldness and that it was unhindered. So let me ask this question. Who in this world might get to know more about Jesus because you decided to continue the legacy that lives inside of you? Or Maybe ask it this way. Maybe you can think about it this way. Who in this world might miss out on that opportunity to know Jesus better if you decide not to continue that legacy? Let me be clear here. The truth of what I want to say is that this goal of talking about evangelism isn't to guilt any of us into sharing our faith with others. 
But what I want to do is I want to show you that what happens when you do share your faith. It doesn't have to be as complicated as we make it out to be and to be fearful in that regards. So as you're pondering and thinking about whether or not you want to continue the legacy, I want to tell you something that has honestly changed how I look at this and has encouraged my boldness in sharing the faith. And this idea is simply this. It's three simple words. Jesus trusts you. In fact, why don't you put that in the chat, that Jesus trusts me, that Jesus trusts you, to just reinforce that simple truth. And I know it might be really easy to let that one idea just go right past you. So let's ponder it again here to really hear what I'm saying is that Jesus trusts you. So let's think about, do you remember how Jesus started what he said to his disciples on that hillside? Do you remember those words? He said to them, I have been given all authority in heaven on earth, therefore go. And so basically what he's saying there in verse 18 is in essence is I have the authority and the ability to do anything that I want to do. And what I want to do is to use you to change the world. Yes, you, you and I together. And there's no way that he would do that if he didn't trust us. Okay, so if we start from that understanding and thinking about how do we share our faith, and we start out with a real fundamental principle here that Jesus trusts us, and that we want to share our faith with others, then the question becomes how? And that's really what I want to talk about today. How do we do that? Where does it start? Because that can be intimidating, right? Do you know the four spiritual laws or the Roman road, as they used to talk about? Uh, those things can be intimidating. And I think especially today, when we think about evangelism, that it really is based upon relationships. That all of a sudden, many of us think of that idea that we're going to go stand on a street corner and shout out or to preach to crowds uh, or to even thousands in a stadium. But that's not what Jesus was talking about. That really what Jesus was calling each of us to do is a much simpler way. And that's what I want to try to unpack here. So let's start here. First, you need to know your own story, which un underscores this idea that your story matters that your past is your prologue to life and, and leans into how God's going to show up. Now, you remember last week we looked at, at this verse out of 1 Peter, which he tells us, and if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Now, that can sound super simple, but what I really want to encourage you when you think about this is to take the time to think about what it means for Jesus to be the Lord of your life. How does he impact your, your daily journey? And I don't want you to just to stop thinking about it. I want you to practice it. I want you to, even the idea is you're thinking about if you journal or if you take notes here in, in the message, to even maybe stand in front of the mirror, to even share maybe with your best friend over coffee or tea, and, and to really understand this idea of sharing your life stories so that you can then enter in to maybe some questions that, that can be asked. So I want us to see that the simple truth is the better you know your own story and how God has shown up, the better you'll be able to communicate it to someone else. Okay, so it's a, you know your story. And then the second is to be real, to be genuine, to be authentic. I'm not really sure why, but it seems like when you're telling someone about what Jesus has done in your life, there's a real temptation maybe to give the story a few extra frills. You don't have to make it more exciting or even more interesting, or even more relatable. That doesn't need to be 
what it's all about. In fact, that's where we trust that the Holy Spirit's going to be the mover and, and to help move the conversation along. And so the best thing that you can do when you are sharing your faith with someone is, is to simply be genuine and to be real as possible. And then the third point here is that you don't pretend you know all the answers. And, and so without a doubt, I think that's part of the problem today as we talk about the nuns and the duns, the people who are far from the church. Because there's been many people who have tried to tell another person about their faith, and then it gets complicated uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, and obviously, if you're genuine and real, there's going to be a few questions that come to the front with someone. And the difficulty here is that if we find ourselves in that situation, there's a good chance that the person that we're talking to might ask you a question that you don't know the answer to. Now, I want you to know that this, that's okay. It's okay not to have all the answers. One of the most amazing things about our faith is that we get to be part of something that is much bigger. And because it's much bigger, it, it, there's not a single person that can have all the answers. And if someone asks you a question that you don't know the answer to, all you have to do is be honest and say, I don't know. A great way maybe to respond in that kind of situation is simply saying, whoa, that's a great question, and I'll, I'm going to see if I can get you an answer to that. But I don't know what it is right now. But I'm going to find the right person to get that answer from. Or maybe say, do you mind if I do some research and get back to you on that? And then you can do some studying, or you can talk to friends, uh, your small group, or you know, family members, who, or even talk to me. Send me an email. Uh, to see if you can find the answer to that. Because the truth is, uh, Google is an amazing tool in this day. And a lot of the questions I get, I simply, sometimes beyond my simple knowledge, I'll have some indication, but then Google's my best tool to, to sort of dive into and see, see what I can learn. So as we know our story and as we are real, and then we realize we don't have all the answers to the questions, then what we do is we invite others into our story, into our own faith journey. So last week, we talked a little bit about how everybody is at a different place in their faith journey. And I think one of the easiest ways to introduce someone to your faith is to invite them to be part of your journey. Now, I have to admit that many people have this idea that we think it's our job to get people to believe in Jesus on the spot. And there are people that operate that way, and my hat's off to them. I have a friend, Greg Steer, who is constantly in conversations on the social medias where he, he meets people randomly. In fact, here's a picture from a gentleman who was in the parking lot uh, recently as he went to an event in Chicago, and how Greg and another gentleman shared the faith right there on the spot. And this gentleman made a profession of faith, and now... Uh, believes in Jesus and wants to grow in his faith. That's amazing. But I want us to be reminded that's not all of our responsibilities. That's not all placed on us that that's how we have to operate. That I think we sometimes let the pressure thinking we have to convince people to be part of this thing called faith, that really we need to trust the Holy Spirit to guide us. The best thing that we can do is to invite people into spaces where we can experience our growth together in our faith journeys, which goes back to the reason why we're in this 10-day prayer journey, as we are on day six today, or if you start it today, day one. But the idea is intentionally realizing that these uh, efforts from the He Gets Us campaign to engage people 
with gospel conversations, tapping on these ideas that life is complicated. I got another request this week from a gentleman through the He Gets Us campaign who is going through a divorce, and he's trying to process what my next step in life is. And so try to encourage him to get connected to a church, even in this season, to find a group of people that he can walk with to help encourage him as he processes through a critical life change. And he needs good people around him to help him know that he has value and worth. And even though his marriage has gone in a different direction than maybe he desired, that there, that we get, we'll get through it. That the reason why these things happen is because the world is broken. But the truth is God is pointing us to a deeper relationship with him. And so for many of us, uh, it can simply start by that, just inviting someone to church or inviting someone, as I mentioned in the welcome, that have a watch party on Netflix at your home with just a few folks and watch the Jesus Revolution to use that as a place to engage in a conversation about faith and about brokenness and about wholeness and restoration and just the beauty of that story. And I want to remind you that, that yes, there's many people who are church folks. And I know over the years as we've talked about sharing our faith and inviting people into the story, we just take it for granted. I can just tell you right now that in the many conversations I have day in and day out, literally, in all sorts of places, is that people are hungering right now. People are looking for the opportunity to be encouraged, to be in relationship, to help wrestle through these deeper questions. And I want to just encourage that before we try to convince ourselves that someone wouldn't want to come and be part of our Sunday morning experience or watch uh, here online, is you just never know until you ask. That's the first thing. You start with that asking. And if you don't ask, you'll never know. And, and so it'll be interesting to see what God does. So I want to use an example here from my friend Greg Steers, how he looks at sharing the gospel. is He thinks it's like flying on an airplane. And so he has this checklist that he's put together. And so let's just walk through this quickly here. First of all, we talk about the takeoff. One of the biggest challenges in sharing the gospel is starting the conversation. How do you begin? Do you say, boy, it's hot in here. It's hot in hell too. Let me tell you about it. Uh, That doesn't work. Uh, That is like not even close to the direction we need to go. So to effectively take the airplane off, you got to learn how to ask good questions. Uh, Simple questions like, how can I be praying for you? Or do you go to church anywhere? Or uh, can lead into all sorts of deep and great gospel-centered conversations. And then there's the second point is the flight plan. Every pilot knows that to safely navigate the skies, they must build and turn in their flight plan. And this is their plan to get from point A to point B. So what's your flight plan for the gospel? Greg shared that an old hillbilly pastor once told him, many people preach the gospel like a Texas steer, point here, one horn of the steer, and a point there, the other horn of the steer, and a lot of bull in between. Well, he's right. Uh, The truth is we've got to have a plan to get from point A to point B when we're sharing the gospel. Now, one of the things that Greg uses, the idea of the word gospel is an acrostic, and it's simply this. God created us to be with him. Our sins separate us from God. Sins cannot be removed by good deeds. Paying the price for sin Jesus died and rose again. E, everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. L, life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. Beyond getting ready for takeoff, beyond 
uh, filing a, f a flight plan, he says you need to be ready for emergencies. And that, in his mind, is this. What do you do if, is a question that every pilot's going to face, right? What do you do if your engine goes out? What do you do if there's a sudden loss of pressure? What do you do if you encounter a massive wind shear? Well, every pilot has to be good and ready for those different scenarios. Could be a thousand plus of them. And so every Christian needs to. And so when it comes to sharing the gospel, the question may be, what do you do if you encounter an atheist? Or what do you do if someone is a Mormon who knows the Bible better than you do? Or what do you do if I want to share Jesus with a Muslim? Well, again, it's this idea of understanding the gospel. It's the idea that uh, you can navigate through these difficulties. So, so the fourth step is a safe landing. A great flight is a waste if it crash land, right? Got to make it there safely. So it's vitally important to know how to bring the conversation to a close and give the person that you are sharing the gospel with an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. But we need to know how to do this in a way that doesn't feel like it's forced or that we're manipulating people. The goal is not just to get them to say yes with their mouths, but to truly say yes to Jesus in their hearts. Too often we spend the time sharing the gospel. We don't go the whole way. And we're right here descending towards the landing strip, and then last minute we pull up out of fear. The idea is we need to be putting down the landing gear and bring them in safely home, right into the arms of their loving Savior, who is Jesus Christ. And so the reality is uh, the boldness of the early church needs to be our boldness too. And I got to say that uh, in all honesty, sharing our faith with someone, someone we love or even a stranger, can be fearful, can be scary, but... I want you to know it is so worth it. And let me say, if you're still on the fence, I want to challenge you to try some of the things we've talked about here. Or better yet, spend some time thinking about it with a friend, a friend that you can pray with and then to think how you can share your faith with others. Because here's the reality, that Jesus has done some incredible things in the lives of believers over these last 2,000 years. And the truth is he's doing even more amazing things in the lives of of each of us today. And so I want to make sure as we think about Linden Road and Linden Road Online that he's going to stop there. That there's a world out there outside the doors uh, that we talked about last week that's there outside of this space that people need to know about the hope. And so it's my prayer that you'll lean into that. My prayer that you'll risk to have those kinds of conversations and not to be anything but honest and true, and to reflect on your own story so that you can share it with boldness. But that's going to be our task here to learn a couple more things in the weeks ahead. So let's take a moment here and pray. Father, we thank you for the promise of the Holy Spirit because we know we can't do these things without his presence. And so I just pray for all of us as we lean into understanding our story that you would give us courage to take what you've done in our hearts and minds and share that with those that we come in contact with. And we just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open the door and that you would move people in relationship to you and to know what Jesus is all about and his saving power. And we pray it in his strong name. Amen.